Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. This is the Midwest Farm Report. From I'm Stephanie Hoff. Thanks for joining me on a Tuesday morning. We've got a packed day for you, including our regular conversation with John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing. Today, the temperatures will begin their climb. We'll see some sun this morning with increased clouds this afternoon, a high of 82 degrees with some light winds. Tonight, we'll see some temperature relief in the upper 60s before the steamy conditions start back up for the rest of the week. Agriculture meteorologist Stu Muck will have more weather details for us in about 15 minutes. But don't go away. Farm Director Pam Yonke brings us a great story about how an agriculture program is thriving in an area that's becoming more and more urban. Stay tuned. Some good news coming from the Department of Public Instruction. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. Sally Ladston, who is the Agriculture, Food, and Natural Resources Education Consultant at the Department of Public Instruction, along with being the state FFA advisor, says this fall they'll have 30 new teachers that are going to be stepping up for agriculture education across the state of Wisconsin. While that helps as far as available teachers, it doesn't change some of the brick-and-mortar challenges that a lot of agriculture education programs are facing. Take, for example, Whitney Barnes. She's a past Wisconsin State FFA officer, currently ag instructor at the Howard Swamico School District just outside of Green Bay, where they have run out of space. So much interest from students that want to be involved in agriculture education Whitney Barnes has had to turn them away. She explains a little bit about how the program has grown. I was hired at Bayport High School to be the agriculture teacher there in 2014. And when I first started, it was a very, very tiny program. We had maybe about 15 students in each classroom. I was the only egg teacher there. Uh, We really boosted numbers, got students excited about the curriculum, changed that up a little bit. And uh, we actually doubled our program in one year. And so we hired egg teacher number two my second year. Um, And then year three, uh, we had so many interested students that we actually ended up turning quite a few students away. So we actually turned quite a few students away every year for our program just because of the interest and we don't have space uh, at our school district currently and that's something that my school district really supports me on and we're really trying to expand that program and not just in the high school wise for classroom space but also middle school wise 5 through 12 right and so you can see the programming in FFA or the National FFA organization grow from 7 through 12 now to 5 through 12 next year and so that's something that's that's just another step that we're kind of behind in and we'd really like to see that growth from 5 through 12 in our in our school district. Now what was it programming it was it the personnel was it kids talking what was the catalyst for this rampant uptick in numbers. Yeah, I think it was just kind of a combination of things. Uh, fresh face to the program and changing up that curriculum a little bit. Uh, starting to really know those students and, and kind of expand to what their interests are and developing programming that's directly related to their interests. And you know today everybody is interested in wh- where their food comes from, how it's raised, and how that works. And so it's very easy for students to want to be involved. It's just a matter of how do we explore programming and expand that horizons, right? So I might have 
in my entire time here. I'll be year number 10 next year. And uh, I probably have had maybe two farm kids my entire time mm-hmm. here at Bayport High School. And uh, so programming is really different. But at the same time, it's similar, right? We just take it down to a lower level and build up that curriculum from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're interested. They want to know how that food is raised and how to be a part of that. And they are ready to get involved. We just need to be willing to allow them to come in in that step. Most popular class. And do you see momentum carry through the entire school year or is it more in the fall versus spring? It's the entire school year, hands down. Um, I will sometimes see students in fall, and then I won't see them. I'll get a brand-new fresh face in spring, a bunch of them. And so I think I would say it's all year round. Um, I work with such students in the summertime on their projects for livestock or other experiences they have. I don't just have students raising animals, but I have students that are maybe interested in forestry and natural resources. We have a lot of that here in this area. Uh, My students here at Bayport can't tell you what a steer is, but my students can tell you every bird that flies across Mm. the sky and every fish that's in our bay Mm -hmm. and uh, so it's kind of really cool and unique programming here and students are really eager to be involved and uh, they just want to take that next step. I would Mm -hmm. say our most popular class is probably small animals veterinary science Um, but when they start to get into that programming they get a little bit of taste of those other animal courses and then they start to expand their horizons and find other interests in in the department. Now I mentioned to you Whitney when I was driving out here to meet you and your students This area is becoming very, very urban. Uh, How is it, as far as challenges, to keep a tactile connection with somebody that's actually in agriculture, in agribusiness, in this kind of a developing community? You know, I know we don't have a lot of huge dairy farms in the area, and when we think of Wisconsin, we think of the dairy state, right? Um, Here in the area, we... We don't necessarily, like I said, those large farms, but we do have agriculture. I mean, right in the surrounding areas, we have Sunny Hill, we have Motors, we have Blazers Acres. We have a lot of vegetable production and fruit production in the area. Uh, we have a lot of natural resources with bark cows in the bay, all of those things going on here. Um, and so, you know, we just kind of partner with local farmers that there are a couple here or there that are willing to partner with our students. And so we have lots of agriculture here. It's just not necessarily dairy. How challenging is that for an instructor to keep refreshing curriculum? I know you guys come up with new ideas every day, but then taking the time to actually either find curriculum you can use as a model or create your own. Tell me a little bit about that. You know, I really love that part of my job. I, other people, you know, other coworkers and stuff, they always go, I don't know how you teach five different classes a day, three different classes a day. I can barely keep up with two. And for me, I would get so bored teaching the same thing every class. And I'd start to question, oh, did I teach that? And did I say that in the last class? I don't, I don't ever have to worry about that, right? And uh, part of my job is getting out with professionals in the industry and meeting those people and bringing in their ideas. And so if I taught the same thing every year, year, um, that wouldn't interest my students. Agriculture is changing every hour of the day, every minute of the day. And so, so does my curriculum, right? My curriculum has to stay up to date and meet those challenges. I'm just very lucky that my school district, Howard Suamico, really supports me in adapting that curriculum and allowing me to go out there and meet these professionals and allow that schedule to happen. What about reaction from other faculty? You mentioned they see you creating new programs, but there's also been a lot of concepts about team teaching, uh, getting a science uh, teacher involved in our agriculture curriculum. Have you made any of those inroads? Is that something you're thinking about or is it already in in play? 
We do have a lot of science articulated classes, and so students that take my courses will automatically earn a science credit towards graduation. Uh, we have a couple courses that are college credited or dual credit, so as, as when they take my class, they automatically get yeah. a college credit, and they don't have to pay for that. And so we have a lot of those things in place that are also attractions for students to be a part of. Uh, as for team teaching, we don't really have a lot of that, um, besides just my coworker, yeah. you know, Mr. Weed and I. Uh, we kind of share that responsibility back and forth. So. Got to ask you about this college credit situation. This year at the state FFA convention, we started seeing some of our officer members that are coming on the team that are already students in college. That's a little bit of a change up. Tell me a little bit about how those earned credits are not necessarily changing your high school activities, but your FFA activities and what students are willing to get involved in. Yeah, um, you know, students are always looking for the best the best thing that will look on their resume, right? And so students are excited to be involved. Um, sometimes that's more difficult because I feel like when you become a freshman, there's yeah. so many opportunities out there, right? Yeah. And a lot of times you go, okay, this is my future track. I have to decide now what that looks like. Yeah. And uh, your choices are really limited. So a lot of times students are, it's, it's kind of been beneficial to me, actually, because students are really trying to look at these things early on. And they go, well, what do I want to explore, right? Um, and so they kind of take maybe summer gym or do those types of things or um, some online yep, courses yep, that are a little yep. bit easier to take online. Mm-hmm. So they have room in their schedule for those exploratories that uh, mm-hmm. really give them a career perspective of what's interesting, what's not. Right. What about the FFA member that is already, because of those credits, looking at freshman status at, say, a UW-River Falls, but I want to be on an officer team, and how do I balance that? That's, again, a new scenario that we have not had to think about before. Yes. Uh, I would say those officers, you know, they're really trying to balance their schedule. It's difficult to do. Um, But really, that's a service position and something that is valuable, right? And that's something that you can just not trade for anything, right? Especially if you want to be an agriculture teacher, if you're looking to make partnerships in the industry, uh, that's the best way to really get involved and really be a part of that. I don't think there's any other internship that's valued like that in the beginning of your years, right? So um, I think having those college credits early on allows students the opportunity to do that, right? And there's also a lot of universities that are offering credits while they're a state FFA officer and serving in that role. You know, back when I served in 2010, I didn't get a communication credit, even though I was speaking 280 days out of the year at that time. Uh, You know, my, I just had a state FFA officer retire from Bayport ever, uh, our first ever state officer from Bayport. And uh, he got, he was telling me about all these credits that he was able to earn while he served in the position. He received a communications credit. He was able to take some uh, physical education classes Mm. uh, and really allowing him a little bit more flexibility and not having to just reserve a whole nother year of college right and pay for that education always changing always growing that's whitney barnes she's the agriculture instructor and ffa advisor for the howard swamico school district just outside of green bay and as she pointed out tremendous interest from students to be engaged in agriculture education classes but the challenge is right now anyhow finding enough brick and mortar space to accommodate all that interest from the southern end of the world's longest barn in madison i'm farm director pam yonke This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
Wisconsin Farm Bureau leadership opportunities have benefited me in multiple ways. Right now, I'm a member of the Farm Bureau Leadership Institute, and I always thought I was a good public speaker. And then we went through some of that training in our very first session, and I had these aha moments that I'm going to use when I am promoting agriculture to consumer groups. WFBF.com. You should reach out to them. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Let our family help your family. This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, <laughs> our canine cuddle ambassador, here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let our family help your family. Visit GundersonFH.com. Over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center. Huh. Nice. Hardwood floor. Or is it? Sounds like a floor. It's not squishy. That's good. Floors aren't supposed to squish. Goes wall to wall, like good floors do. And I'm walking all over it. Usually, a dead giveaway that it's a floor. But it's not a floor. This is a mattress. Charlie Heidel's for 52 days. People like Charlie are scattered all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply nearly $400,000 in bedding, furniture, clothing, and household items to people like Charlie. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in food, shelter, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. If your conversations always start with the weather, welcome to the Midwest Farm Report. We love talking about the weather. Stu Muck is along with us, our egg meteorologist. And Stu, I know you follow along with us at Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook, so you probably saw that the Midwest Farm Report team spent the day at Wisconsin Steer at Wisconsin State Fair Park yesterday. We were talking to organizers ahead of the opening day, which is on Thursday. And Stu, I feel for those working in the kitchens at the food vendors. It'll be almost 90 degrees outside. I don't, I don't even want to know what the temperature is over the air fryers and the ovens. Oh, by the time you get there where it's really hot in the kitchen, you know, they're pushing upper 90s or better. And yeah, it's going to be pretty summery for the first day of the fair. No doubt about that. And I think of this... Just walk down the blacktop for a while, Stephanie, and let that sun warm you up from the bottom up. You know, I mapped out all the buildings with air conditioning, so that's where you can find me. <laughs> the good news, got a plan. I understand yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but the good news is that it's not going to be sweltering the entire time of the State Fair. But I won't get ahead of you, Stu. What do you have for us in store this week? Well, this week it warms up as we head toward Thursday. Thursday could very well be the hottest day of the week. Huh, just what you want to start State Fair, of course. I know a lot of hay being made around my neck of the woods, and we're all watching that corn as it continues to tassel and looking a little more healthy than you may have thought it was a while ago. But we do need to talk of some disturbances that are going to try to have some effect as we finally get this warm-up and as things really turn on here toward mid and later week. 
I don't expect that we're going to get a major storm. We just don't expect to see that kind of rainfall. In fact, you look at weather radar this morning, kind of bleak if you're hoping for rain. There's some showers down in Missouri, far western Nebraska and back into Wyoming and southwest South Dakota and up into Canada, north of North Dakota. So really no precipitation on an imminent threat. I know we talked about a slight chance of rain late Wednesday. That slight possibility is just that, a very, very slight possibility because a weak front drops south out of Canada, probably not going to make it this far south. Northern Wisconsin may see a little rain chance later on midweek, but for most of us, it's just not going to get here. We'll see a bit of a wind shift. That's the highlight. Those temperatures really warm up Thursday, and that weak front does slip through. Winds become northwest through the day Thursday, and what that'll do is cool it off for Friday. So that really warm day for Thursday, cooler a lot more like normal on toward Friday. And finally, by Friday night or Saturday, a small chance of some rain. That small rain chance may even brew around late Thursday at La Crosse and Boston. The rest of us have to wait a bit. I don't expect it's going to be a big deal. But at least a chance of rain tries to edge in as we start toward the weekend. And the temperatures sound a lot more like normal in the lower 80s. Should make the weekend a much better spell to get out and enjoy again, even if that is getting more work done in the farm, because it is that time of the year. I'll have our forecast details right after this. Whether it's finally getting that blue ribbon or enjoying too many carnival rides, we all have memories of the fair. Here's your chance to share those stories in our Everybody Has a Fair Story contest. The Midwest Farm Report is teaming up with the Wisconsin Association of Fairs as they celebrate 100 years of fairs to share the fair story. Entries are being accepted all summer long, and there are cash prizes. To enter and see full contest details, visit MidwestFarmReport.com. You know, Stu, we were sad to hear that the storms did bring some damage to some areas of the state, but the rain was certainly welcome. It, we did see it improve crop conditions, but we still need more rain. So those chances of rain later this week will certainly be welcome. Maybe you can remind us after the forecast if how far we are still behind when it comes to rainfall. Oh, nobody wants to know that kind of cheery fact. But anyway... Let's talk about the fact that uh, it is going to be a mostly sunny day today. You can count on that. And along with that sunshine, it does start to warm up. There's some, been some talk there may be just a little smoke in the atmosphere, not like it has been and not going to really cause a lot of change to the skyline. And I really don't expect we're going to smell it, but there could be some of that smoke still trying to drift back through. So keep an eye out for that a bit later on today. What I'm really anticipating is, along with that sunshine, that it's going to warm up toward the mid-80s today, and our winds become south at about 5. Partly cloudy overnight. We hold on in the mid-60s. Probably 65, pretty common. Maybe a little warmer in the west. South winds at 5 to 10. Mostly sunny Wednesday. Back up to about 85 or 86. See a little warmer toward La Crosse. Probably upper 80s. South winds will be around 5 to 10. Thursday, here's the warm day, mostly sunny skies, upper 80s. I don't think we'll see a 90, but we'll be at 89 or so. And the southwest winds become northwest as that cool front slips through around 5 to 10. 
turning on things all differently. By Friday with sunshine, lower 80s return, although in the west a slight rain chance could pop up. For the rest of us uh, further east and south, uh, maybe later Friday night or into Saturday, some very scattered showers or storms become a possibility. I know you talked about it, Stephanie, in Madison since June 1st. We are two and 44 hundredths of an inch of rain behind normal. Lacrosse came up just that quick since June 1st, two and 47 hundredths of an inch. So about two and a half inches behind normal just since June 1st. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Stu. We'll catch you back here tomorrow morning. Happy to know that a cool front is moving in. I'd rather do yard work when there's a cool front. I'll keep putting off that to-do list. Stick around. We've got John Heinberg in the later part of the hour. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. What BioVet does and where the livestock producer gets their benefit is our technology helps them with the things that they sometimes don't even know they're missing out on. Not just worrying about animals when they're sick, but trying to keep them as healthy and happy as possible as well. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, founder of BioVet. Microbials and nutritional support. That's BioVet. Learn more at bio-vet.com. The nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. They totally wreck your bathroom, swindle you out of a ton of money, then disappear into the dark of night. Swipe left. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who completes the job as promised, is cost-conscious, then leaves you with a sweet thank-you note. Swipe right, and let's get the conversation started with a free consultation. ActuateLLC.com. Design. Create. Actuate. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Your health care journey in a hospital system can give you the heebie-jeebies. From navigating the parking garage to sitting in the crowded waiting room worrying about the results and cost. MH Imaging in Middleton performs MRIs, CTs, x-rays, and ultrasounds for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And parking is just a few steps away. Results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit MHImaging.com. Huge amounts of time sitting incorrectly in the office can easily give that slouch an ouch. This is Zach from Office Furniture Warehouse. Help your back pain, neck pain, and eye strain with adjustable desks, chairs, or dual arm monitor mounts from Office Furniture Warehouse. Name brand office furniture with warehouse pricing allows us to create better workspaces for America's workforce. For healthy choices without the ouch, visit OFWGoMadison.com or stop by the showroom on Ronald Reagan Avenue. Whether it's finally getting that blue ribbon or enjoying too many carnival rides, we all have memories of the fair. Here's your chance to share those stories in our Everybody Has a Fair Story contest. The Midwest Farm Report is teaming up with the Wisconsin Association of Fairs as they celebrate 100 years of fairs to share the fair story. Entries are being accepted all summer long, and there are cash prizes. To enter and see full contest details, visit MidwestFarmReport.com.
Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. You're worth so much more. Have you ever had the choice to accumulate wealth or go into debt? Let's play Would You Rather. Would you rather have $190,000 in total compensation or be $29,000 in debt? That's the choice between paying for a bachelor's degree that might not even land you a job or an apprenticeship with Liuna that will lead to job security, a pension, stability, and a lifetime of great wages. You're worth so much more. Go to liunawisconsin.org join to learn how to accumulate wealth instead of debt. We get it. You need the most durable truck and a return on it, too. That's why Ewald Chevrolet Buick is your certified agriculture dealer. With your purchase, receive AgPack at no additional cost to you. A package of farm and ranch discounts with savings up to $30,000. Right now, finance a new 2023 Silverado TurboMax or select heavy-duty models for just 1.9%. Find new roads at EwaldChevroletBuick.com. On select models with approved credit. See dealer for details. Well, how about this? Let's ask Matt LaFleur this, or what he was asked. What strengths does he anticipate we'll see this season from Jordan Love? Well, I think that's something that we're learning. And um, ultimately, there's a lot of things that give us a lot of confidence in him uh, that we've seen throughout the course of these last three years. And uh, going into year four, certainly watching the growth, not only as a football player, but as as a man and seeing his command out there on the field, I think gives us a lot of confidence in him it gives his teammates a lot of confidence in him and you know he's not afraid of hard work and to watch how how far he's grown um and just understanding the nuances from a especially from i would say a protection standpoint which is something that maybe i would majority of college quarterbacks don't have is it's not as complex as it is in the national football league and uh to see his growth in that regard just and we're, we're throwing a lot at him right now. And it's hard to get, you know, we talked about this the other day, just, you know, what's too much? How do you get him enough reps at every concept? It's a challenge. And so we've got to use, you know, uh, our best guess in, to, in, in terms of, you know, are we giving him enough reps at, at whatever the play or the concept is to make sure that he's comfortable when he goes out there and is asked to execute that play. And it's not only him. It's the other 10 guys around him as well. Did you understand the hell he was talking about there? Oh, it's coach speak. It's a lot of, that was a word salad. If I ever heard of any word salad, that was like, that was a fruit salad. Who wants that? Basically, they're basically, they're doing a lot of stuff right now. They're, they're implementing a lot of different (laughs) things. And, you know, they figured that Jordan Love wouldn't. You know. What? Yeah, be my be my LaFleur translator, Rowdy. What the hell did you Basically, just say? Basically, they're installing a lot of new things at the same time, and it's a lot of new things for this court, young quarterback to process. And they're not anticipating him to be able to, you know, go out there and do it right away to the best of his abilities because he's young and he's learning a bunch of different things, and he's spending a lot of different time in a lot of different aspects, and uh, it's a work in progress. So just. Jordan loves a work in progress. Yeah. 
this whole and but that's but that's everything. I could have saved it to a minute thirty. Matt, instead of Matt Lafleur just stumbling around his words. <laughs> All right, let's go back to the well. Matt Lafleur has asked Jordan Love so far in camp and you know, thrown from the pocket. How's it been looking? I'm asking him to go out there and be decisive, and that is always a fine line of. You never want to take that freedom away from a quarterback. There's so much feel that goes into that position of when to scramble, when to step up, stay a passer. And so I think it's just a process of, of going through different experiences and you know reacting to whatever it is you see. But I, I do think that in order to be a, an effective quarterback, you've got to play decisively. You've got to trust what you see. You've got to trust the guys around you that they're going to get their job done and, and just – play fast and I told them like hey man if, if you go out there and you let it rip uh, and you, you make a mistake you throw a pick it's a learning experience it doesn't mean it's there's a lot of pluses that that go through uh, some of the tough lessons that come along the way and I'd rather him stress that in these practices than go out there in, in a game and do something you know that's foreign to him so um, but in regards to him scrambling, I, I just want whatever feels natural to, to him. Uh, that's what I want him to do, and then we can coach off that. The floor translator, you got anything for me on that one? <laughs> well, it's not like they're throwing him a lot of stuff, and he's not picking up the pressure. But if he wants to scramble, he can. Yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> right now, he doesn't care about results. He just wants to say, or he just wants to see from Jordan Love that he's decisive and he knows what he wants to do with the football, and he's gonna make mistakes. And we hope that he learns from it. Okay. All right. Let's do another one. Uh, Matt LaFleur has asked how much growth he's seen under Jordan Love in three years at being more decisive with the ball. I, I think it's exponent, exponential. It's hard to, like, you know, put a real value on that. Um, and he's going to continue to learn and grow. And that's what's so exciting because you've seen the jump or we've seen the jumps that he's made. But ultimately, you got to go out and do it on Sundays. So, um, and it's not just him. And I keep hitting that point i mean it's it's got to be everybody show me a good quarterback and probably show you some good weapons around him now i get the gist of it but i need the LaFleur translator for me basically he's a work in progress he's a young quarterback and you show him a good quarterback normally they had good players around him so we got to make sure that jordan love also has some good guys around him if you combine pajamas and rubber boots to check on the barn we welcome you. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Welcome back. I'm Stephanie Hoff along with you on this first day of August. The old farmer's almanac says this is the time of year where we'll start seeing a lot of those daddy long leg spiders roaming around. Did you know that there are over 6,000 species of daddy long legs? But unlike regular spiders, they don't have fangs, they don't spin webs, and they only have two eyes. An old wives' tale tells us that you can find a lost cow by which direction a daddy longlegs waves its legs. Someone can try that out and tell us how it works. In other news, a big step ahead for a cheesemaker who got a dairy business expansion grant this year, Landmark Creamery will be moving into its own cheese production space after having rented space for nearly a decade. Anna Landmark is the co-owner, cheesemaker, and buttermaker at Landmark Creamery, and she tells me more about how this grant from the Dairy Business Innovation Alliance is helping foster growth. 
So we have a store and aging facility in Paoli, Wisconsin, which is just south of Verona, north of, of Belleville. We've been in this building uh, since about the fall of 2017. We age our cheese there. We've been renting space um, throughout our nine years of business up at Cedar Grove Cheese. We've been making all of our cheeses up there. We bring up the sheep milk and we buy some um, cow milk and do. And we've been doing all of our production up there. So we're very small. Um, you know, we're we're definitely on the kind of small to micro size of cheese businesses in Wisconsin. But we've been very successful for uh, like nine years now, I guess, of business. Um, and um, yeah, we're really excited about these DBA grants because they've really been allowing us to expand our operations. A recent recipient and a past recipient of the Dairy mm-hmm. Business Innovation Alliance yeah. Dairy Expansion Grants. Tell me about the most recent grant you received. How much was it? What are you going to do with it? Yeah, so this grant was amazing. We were getting $100,000 to basically help us with the purchase of a new cheese plant for us. Um, so we're going to be using that to buy some new equipment that we need in order to be able to make our cheeses in this new factory. And it will also um, help us with a lot of marketing and um, some branding costs associated with with uh, acquiring this new facility. So we're really excited about that. We'll be able to really expand our production, but also our visibility. This will help us get to more cheese shows and things like that around the country and um, hopefully connect with some new distributors. So you'll no longer be renting out of Spring Green. What can you tell us about where this new plant will be located? So we'll be we'll be staying in Green County, which we're very excited about. We really like being in this area, and that's I grew up in in Mount Horeb, so we're close to my home. But yeah, we're we're excited because it will allow us to really expand our production of our sheep milk cheeses, but also grow into a lot of cow milk cheeses as well. Any dates when you'll announce this new plant, when you'll start production there? We're hoping by the end of the summer we'll have everything kind of all wrapped up and be be um, announcing kind of our, our new operations. But yeah, until then, we're finalizing details and pulling things together. So, How much more will you be able to do in this new space? Like unlimited. <laughs> I mean, we'll basically be able to like quadruple our production, if not more. So we're really excited about that. Incredible. Would this have happened if these DBIA grants did not were not available? It would be a lot harder for us, for sure. You know, we've got a great bank that we're working with that will allow us to finance a lot of this. But, uh, you know, to be able to do some of the updates that we need to do right away and even just be able to get some of this equipment purchased a lot more quickly, this grant really helps us um, with that. It just frees up a lot of um, cash and allows us to even use some of that equipment um, as equity as we're going forward with the purchase. We're catching up with Anna Landmark, the cheesemaker and buttermaker at Landmark Creamery. They're currently making cheese out of a space near Spring Green, Wisconsin, but soon that will change when they move into their own plant in Green County. And then they've got their aging caves and retail store in Paoli, which is just south of Madison. The International Crane Foundation wants to hear from farmers who are seeing crop damage from cranes. Anne Lacey of the International Crane Foundation tells us that it's valuable for the organization to hear directly from farmers when they have issues. The org has an email specifically set up for those who want assistance dealing with crane problems. When we have these one-on-one conversations, we learn so much more about what they are experiencing in field. We have done the work in field, you know, testing the efficacy of the seed treatment, but we really want to hear from farmers what their experience is. And we do have a, an email, cranedamage at savingcranes.org. 
where we would encourage people to write and let us know of their experience and, and if they would like to be contacted by us to help them with that issue. Again, if you are seeing crop damage from cranes, Ann Lacey with the International Crane Foundation wants you to reach out for help. Just email cranedamage at savingcranes.org. You can listen to the full conversation at midwestfarmreport.com. While you're there, one of the headlines you'll see this morning, Wisconsin Corn is partnering with the U.S. Grains Council and the National Corn Growers Association. They're bringing a trade policy school to La Crosse on August 23rd. Attendees will learn more about trade topics and how to talk about it in their communities. One of the hot topics that sparked interest in this trade school are negotiations with Mexico over biotech corn. Again, you can learn more about that and register at MidwestFarmReport.com. Whether raising livestock is a part of a county fair project or it's your livelihood, you've got to have a meat processor ready to take that animal when it's ready. In the past year, more than a dozen new meat processors have opened in Wisconsin. One of these is Polly's Chop Shop in Luxembourg. Owner Paul Weary says the state meat processing grants helped get them off the ground. Yeah, absolutely. We actually had two of them that we had uh, been rewarded with, which is really nice, especially just starting out to be able to to get some of that grant money to help us get going. I mean, the thing is with the, with this industry, it's not a cheap industry to get into. I mean, there's a lot of cost into it. I mean, a lot of your equipment is made out of stainless steel to to be able to keep the cleanness and everything like that. So that alone just is really a big cost of equipment and everything like that. So it was really it was really nice to be able to get some of them grants to help us out with some of this stuff. Paul Weary along with us from Polly's Chop Shop in Luxembourg, Wisconsin, one of about 15 meat processors to open their doors in the past year. He was also a recipient of a couple meat processing grants from the state of Wisconsin. He says he plans to apply for more grants as they come out. The rain that fell across much of Wisconsin this past week helped improve crop conditions, but a few of those storms also caused crop damage due to wind and hail in some areas. If we take a look at corn condition, that rose 7 percentage points to 55% good to excellent. About 60% of the corn crop is silking. Soybean condition improved 9 percentage points to 51% good to excellent. About a quarter of the soybean crop is setting pods. And in smaller grains, Wisconsin farmers harvested about 19% of the oat crop and 49% of the winter wheat crop so far. We'll talk more about crop progress and condition with John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing, coming up next. But first, let's take a look at our commodity markets. From Chicago, cash corn is up three quarters of a cent, trading at 504 and three quarters. New crop corn is up a half a penny at 513 and a half. Cash soybeans are up seven cents, trading at 1452 and three quarters. And November new crop beans are up two cents at 1333 and three quarters. Looking at September wheat, that's down a nickel at 660 and three quarters. Moving on to fluid milk, the August Class Three milk contract is down three cents, trading at 1766 a hundredweight. September milk up a nickel at 1815 a hundredweight. On the close yesterday, barrel cheese was up ten and three quarter cents at a dollar eighty-seven. The forty-pound block cheese was up a nickel and a quarter at a dollar ninety-six. And AA butter closed unchanged at two sixty-eight. Again, stick around. Market advisor John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend joins us next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
If you're on the job day in and day out, you know living with pain in your knees, hips, back, or shoulders is miserable. The good news, QC Kinetics gets it. They understand guys like you. They don't have the luxury of taking time off. They want to keep working. We are built for those guys that want to keep working and want to stay active. So the vast majority of who we see are the blue-collar guys like me and you. QC Kinetics uses biologic therapies, just like pro athletes have used for years, to get you lasting pain relief with no surgery. I want you to continue working. I want you to continue exercising. The joints are made to be moved. The treatments at QC Kinetics are fast and non-invasive. It's not a lot of time commitment on your part. There is no downtime or recovery time. You don't need short-term disability with what we do. We want to keep you active. Call QC Kinetics now to set up your free no-obligation consultation. Learn how you can get real pain relief and stay on the job. Call QC Kinetics, 608-319-1750. That's 608-319-1750. 608-319-1750. You know when you've really made it? When you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want. Your Aunt Betty used to sleep on that old couch. It's time to turn drab into fab with lazy luxury from Lazy Boy Furnishings and Decor. That chair... It belonged to the dog. Time to start styling. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy. Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. You know who tells a great story? Our Tom's Auto Center customers. Like Blake, who recently gave us a five-star review. It reads, I appreciated the emailed estimate and text message communication about the repairs. Thanks, Blake. Schedule your appointment. Tom'sAutoCenter.com. We'll make sure you get five-star service. Tom's Auto Center. We're the getter, fix, getter, done to get you going, guys. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. We survived rusty playgrounds, no helmets, and drinking from the hose. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Welcome back. We're rounding out a Tuesday morning with market advisor John Heinberg from Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. And John, you really have your eyes on several moving parts from the weather to cattle to how the grain harvest is going overseas. We plan on covering it all today. John, let's start with the weather. We got our local forecast earlier this morning, much of the same when it comes to heat, small chances of rain. But what weather models are you noticing outside of our region that could influence what we see in the marketplace? Well, the market's really made a focus on the longer range and what could be happening here in the month of August. And that was some of the reason we saw the big push down at grain prices here yesterday as we are looking at weather models that are starting to change over to a much cooler and a wetter type of atmosphere. And that really comes in play as well as just the moisture that came across the Midwest over the weekend. I mean, the you know Wisconsin was definitely noticeable on those crop ratings. Some very beneficial rain hit a lot of people here over the last weekend you know even though we're going to be a little bit drier this week the, you know things are still at least going to probably improve around here and if we go look at the crop ratings from yesterday wisconsin was up seven percent on corn conditions nine percent on, on soybean uh, conditions and you know, one of the top movers in terms of the nation in that regard nationally though we did see the impact of that heat from last week on the western corn belt minnesota north dakota south dakota nebraska kansas there's that's where the drop was and that left the condition scores a little bit softer down a percentage point on corn percentage point on soybeans you know so the market kind of priced that a little bit last night 
but right now, like I said, the weather for the most part, at least in August, and this is that window now, we're starting to fill those pods for soybeans, starting to make, make sure we're filling out that ear for corn, and prices were reflecting that improved weather yesterday as prices really broke apart and gave up a lot of ground in terms of some of that premium that was in that market. Yeah, obviously, it was unfortunate that some storm damage came along with those timely rains for some growers. But again, other states may be having a a worse fate due to heat stress and continuous dry conditions. Um, But, you know, how are we how are we comparing to other states and how come when this progress report came out, we didn't see this big jump in grain prices because of continual, um, I guess, drought in those other in the Corn Belt states? Well, a lot of times the crop ratings come out are very subjective. They're an eyeball test. There's no physical measurement there. You know, I'm just driving through the West Bend area on, over the weekend after the rains. is like I saw some really good improvement in some of the crops around here. And we've been kind of missing out on some of that moisture. You know, but at the same time, again, you know, the big picture is still looking at a combination of things that's out there at this time frame. You know, and that is the biggest one is probably just going to be the continued impact of that South American crop of corn that's getting harvested. They're about 50% done as of this weekend, still about 20% behind their typical pace. So usually they, they get through things a little bit faster, but things have been just A with the size, moving the grain, some weather, slowing down the harvest. That's a lot of corn that's still going to be undercut in the market. And that's still one of the biggest things that we're concerned about here and for both corn and soybeans is the fact that we just aren't seeing the demand that we need. And that competition from South America definitely still plays a factor on that with those cheaper corn bushels. Now, soybeans, things have kind of turned around recently. We're seeing a lot of export activity. U.S. prices have fallen into a competitive zone against the South American crops. But at the same time, we're still very, very far behind where we need to be. And that's some of the reason prices felt comfortable falling. Of the two, I'm a little more com- a little more concerned that corn prices may go hunt to find some demand, while soybean prices at least may find some stability here, even though charts uh, you know look kind of weak on the technical side and the money flow could be a concern. Again, John Heinberg along with us from Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. Speaking to some of the market movers we're seeing on the grain side of things, such as the harvest overseas and the weather. But, John, anything else we need to keep our eye on, either if it's a report from USTA or you know something else that's going to influence our grain markets as early as this week? Well, nothing coming up here this week other than, again, we'll watch what those export sales will show us on, on Thursday. We expect a really good week of soybean sales. Most of that is known from you know being released by the USDA, uh, but we'll see some things that were under the table that weren't out there. So that'll be something we'll watch on Thursday. Biggest thing now we'll be focusing on the USDA report for August 11th. You know, Does the USDA make any yield changes? Do they continue to make some demand changes? The problem in the corn market is because of the lack of demand right now, we could easily shave two three, four bushels per acre off this crop and still have a carryover that's going to be well over 2 billion bushels, which will keep prices fairly heavy. Let's let's shift the conversation now, Jen. I want to talk cattle with you. You always got some good insight on the livestock side of things. Um, we saw cattle prices going gangbusters earlier this summer, but now that we're in the dog days, that seems to have slowed. Is, is that correct? <laughs> The momentum is definitely taking taking some breaks here a little bit in the cattle market, even though, you know, a couple things that are going into play. First off, retail values typically have come down in value during this time frame, and we're starting to at least maybe see some stability there. Cash market's been choppy, maybe a little bit more sideways, a little softer last week, a little higher the week before. You know, so with that, again, talk about money folding. Money has been long this market or pushing this cattle market for a long time. Seems like we're in a little bit of a pause mode. Now, we've already given back, you know, about six 
$7 off the most recent high. So we'll have to see if maybe we're getting through with this correction. But it's one of those things, again, if the market decides they want to just sell things off just because they can, they can. The longer range picture, longer range picture is still very friendly for cattle with the tighter supplies. But at least right now, it just feels like a tired market that you know producers better make sure they're aware of just given the value that's out there. But how are meat processors reacting? Because that's another element that you brought up to me before our conversation. You know, that's always a great component is what how do the Packers handle things. Up till this last couple of weeks, they had a little bit of meat on the bone. They were they were running in the black. Now we're starting to see them running in red a little bit here as retail values came down and cash prices have stayed high. Last week's cash trade was pretty quiet overall. They're basically trying to slow the chain at this stage, maybe back up some supplies on the cattle front, tighten up the supplies on the retail side so those retail values come back up a little bit here. You know, so we'll have to kind of watch that game was going that's going on between the two because beef production was down last week from the Packers about three percent you know that's still a lot of pounds of beef when it's not there you know so we'll have to kind of see how that plays out but again the cattle numbers are still in the front in the favor of the of the of the producer because just of the tight supplies so as you described it the cattle side of our livestock equation looking a little tired but it seems to be a different story for hogs John can you can you speak to what's happening in the hog market why we're seeing some price lift there there, it's all about that retail value. Retail values trading about 114, 115 for carcasses. That's given some good strength into the cash market. The August contracts had to kind of keep up with it, trading at 104. And I keep looking at October, December, well below that August market. With August coming off here later this month, it just kind of maybe that market might be a little bit undervalued. The key, though, we need to continue to see that retail demand. Those prices stay up there, as well as that'll support that cash market, which should help lift those futures market prices a bit higher. So, John, it's the first of August. So what is is top of your mind or what is the maybe the best advice you have for your customers as we start a new month when it comes to risk management and really getting a handle on what's happening in the marketplace? You know, obviously, we got harvest is now getting around the corner here. It'll be here before we know it. Make sure you're understanding what you're doing with those bushels that you don't have room for. If you want to protect value, make sure you look at the put strategies or even make the sales and look to reown things down the road. There's a lot of moving pieces in this market. We know this crop is not put together yet to the level that we need or the information that we need. So I expect a lot of volatility, especially with this, the weather and the way things like to move. So producers need to be on guard and protect those bushels that you don't have a home for. And speaking of that, John, are, are you feeling optimistic that the U.S. can open up more buying opportunities for our corn bushels? You know, right now I'm a little concerned about it just because of the amount of supply that's out there that we're going to be fighting against from that South American side, from that Brazil corn crop. You know, at this time frame, the best way we're going to find demand, at least in the market size, may very well be, again, lowering prices to get some people to come to our shores to purchase that grain. And that's just a concerning point for me for our producers. John Heinberg along with us from Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. You can find him online at totalfarmmarketing.com. We're getting put out to pasture for today. Back tomorrow morning. This is the Midwest Farm Report.